Part two of Two American Slavery Documents by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two Life of James Mars, a slave born and sold in Connecticut by James Mars. When father came back, we set off for the woods pointed out by our friends. We went across the lots and came to a road and crossed that into another open field. The woods were in the back side of the field as we went on we ascended a ridge of land and we could see the road that led from canaan to norfolk the road then went past the burying ground and we could see it from where we were we saw fourteen men on horseback they were men we knew the parson was one of them we hid behind a log that was near us until they got out of sight we then went into the woods and there we found my mother and sister they had been sent there by the man that had told us of the parson's information of where i was we all remained there this i should think was about two or three o'clock in the afternoon very soon the thought of night came to mind how we were to spend the night and what we should do for something to eat but between sundown and dark a man passed along by the edge of the woods whistling as he went after he had passed on father went up where the man went along and came back with a pail or basket and in it was our supper we sat down and ate the man we saw no more that night but how were we to spend the night i could not tell it was starlight yet it was out in the woods but father and mother were there and that was a comfort to us children but we soon fell asleep and forgot all our troubles and in the morning we awoke and were still in the woods in due time the man that passed along the night before came again with more food for us and then went his way his name was walter we spent several days in the woods how many i do not remember i think it was the forepart of the week when we went into the woods we were there over the sabbath for i well remember a man by the name of bishop had a shop where he fold and dressed cloth not very far from where we were and he came to the back door of his shop and stood and looked out a while and went in and shut the door i felt afraid he would see us we kept very still but i think he did not know that we were there if he did it did us no hurt we were fed by kind friends all the time we were in the woods one afternoon or towards night it was thought it would be safe to go to a barn and sleep after it was dark we went to a barn belonging to a mr munger and slept but left it while the stars were shining and so for a few nights and then it was thought we might sleep in the house the next night after dark we went in the house of mr munger for the night my sister and myself were put up in a back chamber behind barrels and boxes closely put together out of sight for safekeeping we had not been there long before mother came and told us we must get up for captain lawrence our friend had sent word that the parson said he would have the boys at any rate whether he got the parents or not his pickets were going to search every house within a mile of the meeting-house that night or search until he found them but we went into the woods again we were there a while again when it rained and we went sometimes into a barn when we dared after a time it was rather still and we were at one house and sometimes at another 
we had pickets out as well as the parson it was thought best that i should not be with the rest of the family for the hunt seemed to be for the boys my brother i have said was out of the state i was sent to one family and then to another not in one place long at a time the parson began to think the task harder than he had an idea it rather grew worse and more perplexing he did not know what to do he was outwitted in all his attempts every effort or trial he had made had failed he now thought of giving my father and mother and sister their freedom if they would let him have the boys to take with him this they would not do after some time was spent the parson or his pickets had an idea that we were all at captain lawrence's house shut up there how to find out if we were there or not was the puzzle they contrived various plans but did not succeed finally there was one thing yet they knew that mr lawrence loved money they thought they would tempt him with that so they came to his house and made trial they met together one day and wanted to search his house he would not consent for a time they urged and he refused he finally told them on certain conditions they might go into every room but one they went into all the rooms but one they then wanted to go into the room that they had not been into they offered him money to let them go into the room how much he did not tell as i know of he finally consented the much desired room was a chamber over the kitchen mr lawrence opened the door at the foot of the stairs and called and said jupiter for that was my father's first name you must look out for yourself now for i cannot hide you any longer he then told the parson's pickets they must take care for jupiter says he will kill the first man that lays hands on him they hesitated some they then went upstairs still and stopped a short time and then with a rush against the door it gave way and they all went in they found the landlady sitting there as composed as summer with her knitting work unconscious of an arrest to go south as a slave but they found us not although the room they last went into was the last one we had occupied all the time we were in that house sometimes one night sometimes a week and then in the woods or elsewhere as was thought best to keep out of the way the pickets returned to the land of canaan to see what was to be the next move the parson then proposed to give my father and mother and sister their freedom if they would let him have the boys that they would not do but the boys he said he must have as my brother was away it was thought best that i should be away i was sent to mr Pease, well nigh canaan and kept rather dark i was there for a time and i went to stay with a man by the name of camp and was with him a time and then i went to stay with a man by the name of akins and stayed with him a few days and went to a man by the name of foot and was with him a few days i went to another man by the name of akins and was there some time the parson was not gone south yet for he could not well give up his prey he then proposed to sell the boys until they were twenty-five to somebody here that my parents would select for that was as long as the law of connecticut could hold slaves and he would give the other members of the family their freedom it was finally thought best to do that if the purchasers that were acceptable could be found 
some friends were on the lookout finally a man by the name of bingham was found it was a man that my father was once a slave to he would take my brother then a man by the name of munger would buy me if they could agree mr bingham lived in salisbury mr munger lived in norfolk the two men lived about fifteen miles apart both in connecticut the trade was made and we two boys were sold for one hundred pounds a head lawful money yes sold by a man a minister of the gospel in connecticut the land of steady habits it would seem that the parson was a worshipper with the athenians as paul said unto them when he stood on mars hill he saw an inscription on one of their altars and it would seem that the parson forgot or passed over the instruction of the apostle that god made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth the parson was a tall man standing six feet in his boots and had no legitimate children to be heirs to his ill-gotten gains the bargain was made on the twelfth of september seventeen ninety eight then i was informed that i was sold to mr munger and must go and live with him the man i did not know but the thought of being sold not knowing whether i was ever to see my parents or brother or sister again was more than i could endure the thought that i was sold as i did not then know for how long it was hard to think of and where were my parents i knew not it was a sad thought but go i must the next morning i was to go the morning of the thirteenth was a sad morning to me the morning was clear without a cloud i was told where the man lived and i must go for he had bought me i thought of my parents should i oh should i never see them again as i was taught to obey my superiors i set out it was a little over a mile the way was long i went alone tears ran down my cheeks i then felt for the first time that i was alone in the world no home no friends and none to care for me tears ran but it did no good i must go and on i went and now sixty-five years have passed away since that time those feelings are fresh in my memory but on my way to my new home i saw my father i will not attempt to describe my feelings when he told me he had taken rooms in the same neighbourhood and should be near me that made the rough way smooth i went on then cheerful and happy i arrived at the place i found a man with a small family it consisted of himself and wife and three daughters the oldest was near my age the family appeared pleasant i ate a bowl of bread and milk and was told to mount a horse that was at the door with a bag of rye on his back and ride to the field that was about a mile off the man went with me and on the way we passed the house of mrs curtis where i mentioned in the former part of this narrative of going for well water for mrs upson we went to the field and worked that day went home at night the family appeared very pleasant and i felt pleased to think that the parson had gone for i was told that he went the same day that i went to my new home in a short time my father and mother and sister came into the neighbourhood to live i was allowed to go and see them one evening in two weeks they lived about sixty rods from where i lived things went on well 
i was very contented and felt glad that the fear of being carried south was at an end the parson was out of town and out of mind i soon became acquainted with mrs curtis's boys for i passed the house where they lived every day as mr munger's farm was beyond where they lived i soon was feeling contented and happy there was one thing that was unfortunate for me mr munger was not a stout strong man and not very healthy and had no other help but me and of course i had many things to do beyond my strength i do not complain of many things yet there are two things more i will mention one of them i feel to this day and that i feel the most is that i did not have an opportunity to go to school as much as i should for all the books i ever had in school were a spelling book a primer a testament a reading book called third part and after that a columbian orator my schooling was broken and unsteady after the first and second winters as mr munger had no help and had to go something like two miles for his wood he would take me with him to the woods and he would take a load and go home and leave me to chop while he was gone the wood was taken off from a fallow where he had sowed rye it was in piles some had to be cut once and some twice and some three times i went to school the most of the first winter after that my schooling was slim the other thing was he was fond of using the lash i thought so then and made up my mind if i ever was the strongest i would pay back some of it however things went on and i thought a good deal of mr munger yet i wonder sometimes why i was not more contented than i was and then i wonder why i was as contented as i was the summers that i was thirteen and fourteen i was sick they began to think i had the consumption they sometimes would say to me if you should die we should lose a hundred pounds i do not know as mr munger ever said that but it was said to me but i will pass on with my story i soon found out that i was to live or stay with the man until i was twenty-five i found that white boys who were bound out were bound until they were twenty-one i thought that rather strange for those boys told me they were to have one hundred dollars when their time was out they would say to me sometimes you have to work four years longer than we do and get nothing when you have done and we get one hundred dollars a bible and two suits of clothes this i thought of some of the family or friends of the family would tell me what a good boy i should be because mr munger saved me from slavery they said i must call him master but mr munger never told me so so i never did if he had told me to i should have done so for i stood greatly in fear of him and dreaded his displeasure for i did not like the lash i had made up my mind that i would not stay with him after i was twenty-one unless my brother did with the man he lived with my brother had been home to see us and we went once to see him i asked my brother how long he was going to stay with mr bingham he said mr bingham said he should have his time when he was twenty-one well then i should have my time i said to myself things went on and i found mr munger to be a very good sort of a man i had now got to be fifteen years of age 
i had got my health and had grown to be a big boy and was called pretty stout as the word is yet i was afraid of mr munger i actually stood in fear of him i had now got to be in my sixteenth year when a little affair happened which though trivial in itself yet was of consequence to me it was in the season of haying and we were going to the hayfield after a load of hay mr munger and i were in the cart he sitting on one side and i on the other he took the fork in both of his hands and said to me very pleasantly don't you wish you were stout enough to pull this away from me i looked at him and said i guess i can but i did not think so he held it toward me with both his hands hold of the stale i looked at him and then at the fork hardly daring to take hold of it and wondering what he meant for this was altogether new he said just now see if you can do it i took hold of it rather reluctantly but i shut my hand tight i did as samson did in the temple i bowed with all my might and he came to me very suddenly the first thought that was in my mind was my back is safe now all went on well for two months or more all was pleasant when one day he or mr munger i should have said was going from home and he told me as was usual what to do i went to my work and did it just as he told me at night when he came home he asked me what i had been doing i told him but he did not seem satisfied i told him i had done just what he told me he said i had not done what i ought to have done and i told him i had done what he told me that was more than i had ever said before he was angry and got his horsewhip and said he would learn me he raised his hand and stood ready to strike i said you had better not i then went out at the door i felt grieved to see him in such a rage when i had done just as he told me and i could not account for it if he had been a drinking man i should not have wondered but he was not he was a sober man i could not get over my feeling for some time but all was pleasant the next day i said to his daughters that i would not stay there a day after i was twenty-one for i did not know what their father meant i did just as he told me and thought i was doing what he would be satisfied with they told me not to mind it things went on from that time as well as i could wish from that time until i was twenty-one i do not remember that he ever gave me an unpleasant word or look while i lived with him after that time i felt that i had now got as good a place as any of the boys that were living out i often went with his team to hartford and to hudson which the other boys did not that lived in the neighbourhood i now felt that i could do anything for the family i was contented and happy the year that i was eighteen mr munger was concerned in an iron establishment manufacturing iron he had a sister living in oneida county and he learned that iron was high or brought a good price there he told me he thought he would send a load out there and get a load of wheat and asked me if i would go out with a load i told him i would if he wished me to he said he did he got everything ready and i set out the seventeenth day of october and thought it would take me about two weeks or thereabouts on i went and when i got there i could exchange my iron for wheat readily but none had their wheat out 
and their barn floors were so full that they could not thrash i had to wait a week as soon as i got my load i set out for home i was gone a day or two over three weeks after i got to norfolk i passed the house where my parents lived they told me that it was very current with the people that i had sold the horses and wagon and was seen by some one that knew me and was on my way to canada they said that mr munger said he did not believe it he said he should not trouble himself yet i went on home he was glad to see me asked if i had any bad luck i told him how it was and he was satisfied and said when he saw the team that they were in better condition than they were when i left home now they may talk as much as they please you and the team wagon and load are here and when i told him what i had done he said he was perfectly satisfied i had done well he had no fault to find everything went on first-rate i did my best to please him and it seemed to me that the family did the same i now took the hardest end of the work i was willing to do what i could i was willing to work and thought much of the family and they thought something of me mr munger was receiving his share of offices of the town and was from home a portion of his time i felt ambitious to have our work even with others he said his work went on as well as if he was here End of part two.